Have you ever seen people who appear to have it all together, especially in church, and wondered about the real story beneath the facade? Or how about this? What's your story? And what would happen if people knew the real you, the glorious, the wonderful, the messy, the shameful? Listen in as we tackle hard questions of faith and following Jesus. Welcome to She Seems So Normal, Stories Not Shared on Sundays with your host. That's me, Lee McKenzie. Just wanted to let you know that episode 31 has a trigger warning. There are descriptions inside of this episode about self-harm and self-mutilation. And so if you're particularly sensitive to it, you might want to be very careful about listening to today's episode and maybe skip back and listen to some that you have missed from before. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to episode 31, Unholy and Made for Destruction. I first saw EMDR trauma therapy in 2019. It was late in the fall, a time of year when the leaves constantly change colors, green to gold and scarlet, tangerine to brown. Fall, and then they die. Looking at the trees outside the window, I contemplated how my relationship with Christopher would change if I healed. Could our entire marriage dynamic shift after 25 years of playing the same roles? Could we survive? With God's help, we could only get better. Here's why. During one extremely low point almost a decade earlier, the enemy convinced me, using scripture no less from Romans 9:16 through 25, that I was an unholy vessel fit for destruction. He argued my faith wasn't real, that my regeneration and new life were lies. Sound like the father of lies was doing his thing? Yep. He reasoned with me. Why do you keep going back to your sin like a dog to its vomit? Why can't you stop sinning? It's because you didn't have the Holy Spirit. Your confession was a lie. You didn't 100% believe at baptism, did you? You doubted. You're not saved. It's an abomination you teach Bible study and act like you know God's word, yet not live like you should. Ask your children, your husband. The people closest to you know the truth. You are unholy, meant for destruction. Any of this sound familiar to you? I hope it doesn't, but if it does, you need to hear something. You're not alone. Suffering in silence behind fake smiles at church, work, or school, feeling like imposters, we believe if people knew the real us, shock waves, tsunamis of relational repulsion might rip everything apart. Is any sin too great for God to forgive? And even if he does forgive, will other Christians turn away in abhorrence? I know, I've been there, swallowing those lies hook, line, and sinker. The enemy ate me for lunch and spit out my bones. One sunny day when my kids were 12 and 7, there was a typical kids' chaos going on in my house. After all, it was summer, and between the chaos of dirty floors, rooms, and laundry, buzzing flies getting in from those unclosed patio doors, ladies, do you know what I mean, and the noise of kids being kids, I blew a gasket. Instead of acting like a parent, I erupted triggered by the chaos. Middle me and teen me and I veered out of control with anger. 
Screaming at my kids, I ranted so much, the yelling strained my vocal cords. My ears rang. My head hurt. My voice cracked. At one of my lowest parenting points, the enemy began whispering again. See, you can't control your temper. Those poor children, see how you damaged them. You're a terrible mother. What if we played a video rerun at church Sunday for everyone to see? You aren't saved. Sobbing in sorrow seemed like he was right. Then, to evil began convincing me to carve the word unholy into my arms and across my chest with a butcher knife so that churchgoers could read what a fraud I really was. Thankfully, I was too paralyzed to make it to the kitchen. My greatest shame is reporting to you, both my children witnessed this entire attack with their mother moaning incoherently on the stairs. And so, In distress, my son Julian called Christopher to come home at once from work. On my knees, I remember begging Christopher to end our marriage misery, commit me to whatever insane asylum would take me and throw away the key. I pleaded with him for divorce so he could find a more suitable wife and mother for our kids. He refused. I don't know why. We will find our way through it somehow, he said. Always, he has been the one fighting for me to live, fighting for our marriage, even as it hung by tattered threads. Birthed from a year suffering from insomnia, frustrations with parenting, and feeling overwhelmed by what felt like impossibly hopeless circumstances, this embarrassing episode I now know contains marked panic attack responses. Unfortunately for my family at that time, I had negligible coping mechanisms would never ask for support with something so shameful as wanting to carve things into my flesh, lest other church people confirm my worst fears. The possibility I truly was unsaved and unfit to serve. How many times are we tempted to agree with the enemy instead of with God? To believe we are unholy, though the blood of Jesus fills in the deepest wounds Satan could ever try to inflict. Within weeks, while ending a conference session on suffering I taught in 2015 to more than 500 women, I've referenced this episode as a creative descriptive euphemism from stage because it held such powerful imagery. Not a single person listening to that message, not the audience, the people in the tech booth, or the green room, or those online, had any idea this occurred as an actual, real, spiritual battle. Except Christopher. Christopher.